So many of our favorites to watch. Oh look, now they're being bashed. I guess that's what we should expect on the Bullied Nostalgia Podcast. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Bullied Nostalgia Podcast. The podcast where we watch things that were near and dear to our heart once upon a time. And then become detached from those feelings as we look at things from an analytical eye. In brutal fashion. I am Timothy Nesbitt, and I'm joined by my brother, John. Hello. My son, Kylan. Hi. And my other son, Chance. Hello there. And this time, in a rare showing, we have my dad on the show, David. Hello, everybody. Before we jump into the podcast, a quick reminder that if you have any recommendations or suggestions on what the podcast becomes in the future, please feel free to hit us up at bulliedpod at gmail.com. And with that, we... Actually, I'm going to take a quick sip from my Bullied Nostalgia mug before I say any more. (laughs) (laughs) What the heck? I don't know if they could hear you sipping. Do I sound like a vacuum? <laughs> that was him taking a drink. We officially have Thanks. branded merch that we cannot sell as merch because we do not have the money to sell the merch. You really ruined that moment. <laughs> what do you mean? This was so nice until you did obnoxious sounds. Okay, how was the drink? What made the drink even better? What made it worse? No, no, no. What made it better? The mug. Oh, what mug? I we already said. I know, but you didn't spend enough time on it. Um, I have a mug that says Bully Nostalgia on it. So cute. Has our logo and everything. Okay, so today's episode is we are going to be talking about a movie that our dad owned... That was in the house, and so John and I watched it at least a bunch of times. That movie would be 1994's The Shadow. So this is your movie then? Yeah! I'm so old I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Although, I did go digging into the archive this morning. There's a box or two that I went looking through. To see if I could maybe find that VHS. Did you find it? No. Did you find any other gems? Yeah, we need to see these boxes. Yeah. So somehow I get the feeling that as stuff was leaving the house, your mom probably scurried and grabbed Oh, intercepted it. Intercepted. Okay. So these are things mom saved. Well, and some of them... Which is why this movie would not be (laughs) in that box. Some of them were actually... Old VHS's, my mother, when she was alive and lived in Victoria, she would tape things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they became part of your care packages because they were shows for for you guys to watch. Yeah, so we had Farmer Vision growing up, which is what we would call it if you only had the two local channels. Mm -hmm. So our grandma would record TV shows for us that she knew that we liked and she would send them in the mail. And so that's what he's referring to. Okay, so let's jump into The Shadow. The Shadow is a 1994 movie with Alec Baldwin as the lead. Chance, do you want to tell us what this movie is? Sure. So at first glance, this falls under the genre of very specific superhero movies. It was that old gangster, not necessarily a superhero, 
but a guy out for vengeance going to change the world. This is a superhero movie, though. He is a psychic who used to be a crime boss in China until he was essentially kidnapped and then reformed as a form of penance. And now he returns to New York a couple years later, and he's their local quote-unquote Batman. He scares villains into admitting to their crimes. However, a villain who is referenced to his past arises up, and he has to use his abilities and his own cunning and the friends he makes along the way in order to defeat this villain who reminds him all too much of himself. Good. Yep. Accurate. So, Chance referenced that The Shadow is this movie's Batman, and that is very intentional. This is one of those examples of art being inspired by itself in a weird snake-eating-its-own-tail situation. The Shadow is a radio character from 1931 that actually inspired the creation of Batman. When Batman would reach mega-fame through Tim Burton's 1989 movie, everyone was looking to find a way to get their own piece of the pie, and so The Shadow was another one of those attempts to try and be the famous Batman Batman movie. Did not work. The budget on this movie was $40 million. Its box office take was $48 million. Double for advertising. Which, as Kylan's referencing, when they list their budget, it does not account for advertising budgets. And a rule of thumb is that you should double the budget to include advertising. Is it always that high? Probably not. But even if you say it was half, that means that this movie cost $60 million. It lost money. Random tangent. In the original creation, was the shadow a psychic as well? Because that feels very added on after the fact. That's a good observation. The initial shadow, who was created in 1931... Was just a guy with a gun? Was just a guy (laughs) who solved crimes. So as time would go on, they would give him more abilities, more backstory, all of those things. When it became easier for him to narrate stories by being in the room with criminals, then they gave him this ability that he could be invisible. And so the psychic aspect was added later for novellas and stuff like that. But that was still in the 30s and 40s. Mm. The stuff where he was a crime boss, that's all new for the movie. That's a redemptive arc that was created for this story. Because mm. we were talking about it earlier this year. He was a guy with a gun and he wore all yellow and a trench coat. Oh, I can't remember Dick what... Tracy. Dick Tracy, yeah. This movie, okay. for me, feels like it falls in this really weird spectrum where it lies right between the Dick Tracy crime mobsters and then Batman where it can't really decide on which movie it wants to be because the superpowers and that feel like it's pulling towards Batman but then the aesthetic and the characters all lead towards Dick Tracy and that kind of yes it felt like maybe not to the same extreme as Superman 4 where Superman could use any power he wanted 
including mind-wiping kisses and <laughs> rebuilding the Walls Great Wall of China with his yeah. eyeballs. But it honestly felt like this guy's powers could be whatever he wanted <laughs> them to be. And to be honest, it felt like sometimes he just didn't have any powers. He's just like yeah. walking around a guy with a gun, and then suddenly it's like, wait, this guy has superpowers, let's make him use one, you know? Yeah. I mean, we can try and list them. He can do Jedi mind tricks where yeah. he can tell people what they should think or feel unless it's his love interest. She's not affected by those powers. He um, has the double dragon soul amulet. Yes, he has the double dragon soul amulet where he can turn into a shadow figure that can... Go ahead. I want us to continue this conversation, but... Kai brought up Double Dragon. A Bobo's back in this movie. You <laughs> yeah. guys saw him, right? I was not paying enough attention. Oh, yes. my goodness. When they go to try and get him at that Lab. government building. Yeah. And remember, they, like, pin his shadow to the wall with the knives. The guy who's hunting him is a Bobo from Double Dragon. <laughs> yeah. keep it the guy who's force-fed spinach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like they led some ground rules on the way his power worked. It's like he can only change what people think they see like mm -hmm. it's all perception that's so really he only good. appears invisible to people because they can't recognize they see him see that in the room that's flooding with water well yeah and they say that the only thing he can't change is his shadow because it's not a part of him and so you start with that ground rule and it's like oh that makes sense this is a cool way to get rid of invisibility i understand jedi mind tricks as he's changing perception and, and for the like first also... 45 minutes, it seems that all makes sense. And then they do stuff like pinning his shadow to a wall, or him turning into a shadow, which makes no sense at all. I always took the shadow part as, like, his dark past. Like oh, you thought that wasn't literal. Trail. Yeah, because, like, when he's fighting bad guys, he's like a black misty smoke. It just didn't sound like as cool of a superhero name. Black misty smoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the name of a cat. <laughs> The third. <laughs> Black Misty Smoke the third. And then at some point in the movie, all of a sudden has telekinesis and can move things with his mind. Oh, mm. yeah, the mirrors. There's so many situations where if he has these powers, he could easily get himself out of a situation or come out on top. Like, Sometimes, yeah. like when he's drowning in this room. Yeah, he can break glass with his mind later on, right? Isn't he just like break Well, out? no, John's saying if he has telekinesis... He needed someone to open the door to let why him he out. Open the door? Why wouldn't he open the door? Or why didn't he mind control the bad guy who was going to drown him? Like it just... Or better yet, why doesn't he just shoot the glass on the door? He has guns. And why does he have guns? Like it just... <laughs> Well, like wait, sometimes so they just can shoot, shoot cement off of people's feet <laughs> yeah. or shoot another bullet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, he can't yeah. mind control bullets. It just... <laughs> just to shoot him. I don't know <laughs> of a superhero who uses two handguns and also has all of those superpowers at once. It actually brought about a bit of an endearing quality to the handguns in my mind. Because it'd be like, after his mind tricks and whatever had failed, he just went, crap! And then he just pulled out guns and started shooting people. That's so funny to me. Actually, speaking of funny, the people with powers in this movie love to laugh. Yeah, the ghost laugh in the background. Whether <laughs> Everyone laughs so much. Whether you're talking about Shiwan Khan or The Shadow, both of them just love a good belly laugh. Mm -hmm. They're out there scaring criminals, and they're going, <laughs> So the thing is, 
The shadow leaves two things behind that he can't change. His shadow and his, and his laugh. Yeah, so to paint a picture for people, it's like when he's looming in the shadows and scaring bad guys, he has this maniacal laugh that scares them. And then Tim referenced the antagonist of the movie. Does the same thing. Who does the same thing. Whereas Batman would pick at you one at a time, completely silently, so you were just left by yourself. The shadow prefers to punch your friend in the face while you're watching and then make fun of you for it. <laughs> so this was supposed to be a Sam Raimi movie. Mm. Sam Raimi pitched on this movie and for whatever reason did not get it. He pitched it a couple years earlier. Because the studio said no, Sam Raimi said fine, I'll do it myself, Thanos style. Mm. And he made his own movie. He got Liam Neeson and made Darkman. Oh. That's right. Do you remember so Darkman? Dark Man? It's like invisible, was he not? Darkman is the shadow. It is the same oh movie, but he did not have the rights to the, the shadow. So he made his own character and... Darkman is a much better movie, but that's entirely because it's Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi's got this weird Well, ability. I think Darkman, I'm going to use the word, it's more plausible. What do you mean not <laughs> possible? You've never had an argument with a really feisty knife before? <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe Alec Baldwin was a good choice, but whoever the makeup, it's awful. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, like, did you notice a disappearing scar? Yeah. First off, in the very beginning of the movie, when he's a crime boss, he does have a massive scar on his face, which disappears when he becomes a good guy, by the way. Symbolic. <laughs> yeah. Or, or he was painting it on you. every yeah, day. Yeah, he hypnotized all the people to feel like it's not there. The other thing is at the end of the movie, when they're doing the big fight, Alec Baldwin's scarf and his hat goes away, and he's just a guy in a trench coat with two silver guns. And I remember sitting there, I'm like, why doesn't he look like this for the rest of the movie? Because the massive scarf that goes all the way just up to his nose looks ridiculous. I did comment that. Yeah, when, when, when we were watching it, Tim was like, oh, he looks way better like this. He <laughs> looks so dumb. Well, it's a really cool outfit when he takes off most of it. <laughs> yeah. So what's odd is that he transforms his appearance when he's the shadow. So imagine Colin Farrell's the penguin from the new Batman movie. His face kind of looks like that, like a bit of a bigger nose. His face is more full, but it's interesting. So he covers his face with a scarf up to his nose, changes the rest of his face. It's a weird You're, you're saying it's superpower. weird for him to change his own appearance and wear a mask on top of yeah. that. Like, why not one or the other, right? Yeah. <laughs> And here's another superpower we can add to the mix. Which I guess you could say is perception as well, but... Is he a pacifist? He's really not. Half the scenes it's like, oh, I'm going to be very intentional and not killing this guy. And then it's like, hey, you, I don't like you. That window is your exit. Go jump out of it. <laughs> it's very odd. Yeah, well, that was Tim Curry, so... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Tim Curry is in this movie. And he's amazing. We haven't seen him since Christmas, Christmas in Wonderland. Wonderland. This is a much better Tim Curry showing. He oh. is so slimy. He laughs maniacally. Everyone loves to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tim Curry. Ian McKellen is in this movie. He is, who's Gandalf. I don't Magneto. remember seeing Ian McKellen in a movie before Lord of the Rings. That For me, that was the first time I was like, oh, okay, this is... 
my introduction to him. But clearly, we were watching him and stuff when we were younger. Until we started talking about this podcast, I didn't understand the background story about the shadow, its origins going back to the 1930s. And they do a radio play. Today, I went back and listened to an episode. Of The Shadow? Of The Shadow Radio. Whoa. 1937. And Orson Welles is the voice of The Shadow. Wow. Orson Welles in 1937 was a 21-year-old actor. And so he did this for a couple of years. But I mean, the radio show went on for like 20 years. It was very popular. So it's interesting. In 37, he does talk about this Tibetan connection which gives him the capacity to change perceptions. Mm -hmm. I like the way you describe that. Again, a lot of stuff that you you were right, Tim, that in the movie wasn't there. But it was fascinating just the story of it, right? Just because it's a... When I think of the 1930s, I think of that radio. For context, he is pointing to an old-timey radio. (laughs) That I got from my parents' estate. A tube radio built in the early 1930s. This radio show would have been aired on that. Families gathering around, and we're going to listen to the story hour. Margaret Nesbitt was a huge shadow fan. (laughs) (laughs) Margaret's our grandmother. (laughs) Not likely. But no, it's just that fascinating era. The other thing, too, those early radio shows, some product. That would be the exclusive territory of that product. So the one I listened to in 1937, Blue Coal. Blue Gas was the name of the company. So when they did the ads, it was all about this, why you wanted to sign up for Blue Gas to heat your homes. They didn't have individual advertisers back then. So there's a scene in the movie when Khan and the Shadow meet. Khan is the antagonist. Yeah. Who is the descendant of Genghis Khan. The only living descendant of Genghis Khan. We'll circle back to that. Okay. So they meet... And they're having this stare down. This is the start of their confrontation. And they pause from that to get some like witty banter in about their ties. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I really like your tie. You should try it. It would look great on you. Yeah, and, where'd you get it? Downtown. Oh. Yeah, and he says a story and stuff like that. That is paying homage oh my to the radio show when yes. they would have to drop in advertisers all the time <laughs> as they advertise for this old Thai company oh midway through the movie. So as we've referenced a little bit of Alec Baldwin's character is a mob boss in Tibet who goes by Lamont Cranston. He goes to see a monk who reforms him, teaches him these powers, and he comes back to New York to make a penance for the life of crime that he has created. We know that because it's all told to us in a giant text scroll. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is so weird. So I don't know of another movie that does this. It's common for movies to have an opening crawl. But never a midway crawl. Yeah. They do a scene. They introduce us to the characters, yada, yada, yada. And then they give us the opening (laughs) crawl about ten minutes into the movie. And it's like three lines. They did a scroll of text instead of showing you develop. (laughs) Instead of showing him grow into the hero he would become. Or seeing a montage. They they just showed a few sentences saying a lot of stuff happened. He got better. When I think of some of the later movies, and I didn't realize, Tim, the connection between Batman. 
But when I think of the Christian Bale Batman and that story about what happened in Tibet, I thought that was a much better job of developing that whole backstory so that you understand the person present, right? Yeah. It is very unfair to compare this to Batman Begins. Batman Begins is the perfect superhero movie. But yes, certainly this has all the same tropes. Batman Begins tells a story of two people from Tibet who walk different walks, one fighting for justice, one fighting for evil, and they confront one another. It's the same story. It's just that in that movie, the bad guy doesn't possess a really grouchy knife. (laughs) Well, you think of the 1994 versus 2008, right? It just seems cartoonish. But It's got some lovely pictures. But it doesn't really have a story. <laughs> pictures. Every background in it's this movie picture. is a painting. It's so <laughs> funny. It's so blatantly obvious that they can't take a step to the left or they'll walk into a wall. The knife has been brought up a couple of times. So when he goes to Tibet. He's like meeting with the monk. And he's like trying to throw things at the monk. And he picks up a knife. And the monk is like, oh, I wouldn't do that. And then the knife stabs the shadow. So the knife is alive is the insinuated concept. And so one of the powers that you can develop is... Control of the knife. Yeah, that it obeys you. And this one knife is really sassy. He's got sharp teeth. (laughs) And like eight legs. So the knife will bite you if you're not careful. Yeah, you can't even hold on to it because it'll bite you. Yeah, so when he's still a warlord, he has this encounter with the knife, and then we don't see the knife again until... It's revealed that she now has control of the knife and actually used it to kill their mentor. And so that's supposed to inspire fear that this knife that Alec Baldwin couldn't control, now the bad guy can control and kill Alec Baldwin's mentor with. So we've talked a little bit about Shiwan Khan being the last living descendant of Genghis Khan. In 2003, DNA data discovered that approximately 8% of people living in Mongolia are direct descendants of Genghis Khan. In the 30s, when this movie is supposed to take place, that would have been 5 million people. (laughs) Genghis Khan sowed his seeds, would be the way to put it. 0.5% of the world's population is a descendant of Genghis Khan. So this guy's claim to fame. Hold on, 0.5. Does that mean 1 in 200 people are descendants from Genghis Khan? 1 in 200 people in the world are descendants of Genghis Khan. The master plan of this is that the bad guys essentially discover the nuclear bomb before the United States do in World War II. The metal that gets referred to a bunch in this movie is beryllium spheres. Beryllium is real. Beryllium is real. And there's another movie where they use beryllium spheres to power things. Galaxy Quest with Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver. The Star Trek spoof. That's right. They need to power their engines, and so they teleport down onto a planet 
with little gremlin creatures and they roll these giant balls of beryllium and there's a giant rock monster that chases mm -hmm. them and stuff like that. So beryllium's natural state is in little balls, right, Kai? Yeah. It's, it's uncommon for people to use beryllium spheres for anything, but it reminded yeah. me of Galaxy Quest, which is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Something I did like about the character of the Shadow is that he will save people's lives and then they are forever indebted to oh, him. life debt. So it's kind of cool that he has all these spies or specialists or people who can help him yeah. along the way, and each of them is kind of represented by wearing this red ring. Essentially, he'll notify agents that they're activated by turning on their ring. Something I really liked about it is that he tricks all the people indebted to him that he is just another pawn in his own crew. He goes and meets a scientist who he saved, and the first thing the guy says, he's like, oh, you work for the Shadow too. And then it's like, oh, that's a really smart way of getting people to tell you information, is if they believe you are always one step below where you really Just are. another member of the network. Mm -hmm. If I was married, and one night I came home with a big gaudy ring, what my wife would do. On your right hand <laughs> ring finger? Yeah, you just came home with a mood ring on your finger. <laughs> and then you what, never what, took it off. I can't take it off. I need to wear it all the time. I don't know what she would have to say about that. Their code word. The sun is shining. But the ice is slippery. <laughs> Imagine how much of a freak you would be just to random people. They're like, oh, come outside. The sun is shining. The ice is slippery. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, so that is like the, even though someone might be wearing the red ring, the first person will say the sun is shining, and then the other person's supposed to respond, but the ice is slippery, to let them know that they're both on the same page. Mm -hmm. They both work for the shadow. Of the things that this movie got wrong, it got something wrong on purpose, and I really like it. When they first find Khan, he ships himself into America at a museum. And when they're walking through the museum, there's a weird set of bones creating a creature that looks a little odd. And John said, is that a unicorn? It's a dinosaur exhibit with a dinosaur that has a horn on its nose. That is an iguanodon. Iguanodons famously were assembled incorrectly. They have big horns for thumbs, but when they were first dug up, everyone assumed the horn went on their nose. So that dinosaur exhibit is intentionally wrongly assembled to throw back Right. To what for the time period the time period was for people who haven't picked up on it, John can pretend with all of his preschool movies that he likes dinosaurs he, that he loves dinosaurs, but I'm the true dino connoisseur in the room mm -hmm. and, and yet he still has the most boring opinion ever. Uh, Ankylosaurus is the best. Yes, everybody knows that you're just like everybody else. Ankylosaurus is the best. Ankylosaurus is the best dinosaur. It's a turtle it's so with a boring. sledgehammer covered in spikes. Thank you.
whoever did that acknowledgement, it would have to be pretty nerdy. Like that's just some random piece of information you have about dinosaurs that you just decide to incorporate it into the Especially show. in the background. There are some parts of this movie that just feel weird to watch. Like the part where Margot, who is the romantic lead, she wakes up and she talks about her dream. Two minutes of just her describing herself naked on a beach. And then the shadow says, I ripped my face off and there was another guy underneath. <laughs> yeah, he says that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a pretty good line. <laughs> yes. She goes, you have problems. I know that. <laughs> now, I think that was the only attempt at humor in the whole movie. <laughs> it, it intentional was humor. It worked. But I guess, talking about Margot for a moment, I don't know if I liked her or not. By the... How did you feel about Margot, Dad? I like that she has a power. She's impervious to the shadow's abilities. Mm. And she can see through whatever illusions he creates. I think that's cool because very rarely do the love interests in these 90s superhero movies have any character development or interesting aspects. Unfortunately, that's about the extent of what she gets. Um, it's a shame, too, because you're right. They introduced that she has this capacity, but it's never explored. Yeah. It would be fascinating if they had put her front and center and she had been the linchpin in defeating Khan, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if she couldn't be controlled or whatever. And so the two of them are at a stalemate, shooting each other's bullets out of the air and such. And then she just comes in and she can't be controlled. And somehow that throws things in the favor of Alec Baldwin's character. That would be something that they don't use love interests for very often in these tacky movies. But they didn't. So it is what it is. That said, speaking of Alec Baldwin beating Khan, the big final set piece is he chases him into a mirror maze. A mirror maze. In the middle of his giant office building. <laughs> in the middle of his giant office. He turned that office building invisible. He had plenty of years to set it up. He had lots of time. <laughs> and then ship himself to Tibet and then back to the museum. <laughs> He needed to go pick up the coffee. <laughs> yeah, he chases him into a mirror maze, and the whole scene lasts like a minute, maybe? It happens really fast. That was supposed to be the emotional climax of the movie. Khan was going to mess with the shadow's mind. He was going to toy with his past and his relationship with his past and make him question who he is, make him fight the old evil version of him as a reflection of who he is. Unfortunately, there was a earthquake, uh, 6.7 on the Richter scale. And all the mirrors shattered. And it broke all their mirrors. So they didn't do that. <laughs> it was too expensive to rebuild a mirror maze. So, we got what we got. Which was a video of a mirror exploding replayed 37 times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to interrupt what you're saying. 
Because there is a sign that smokes in this movie. Oh, yes. The big right. billboard. I think you're saying like a no smoking <laughs> sign. No, I'm talking like... about a billboard where smoke comes out of the person. It's advertising like tobacco. And this is Khan's superpowers or his ability to mind control. He just lit the billboard on fire. Is limited to the smoking billboard he needs to get people to the billboard to be able to mind control them there's a whole scene where he tricks person after person to go and look to, at the billboard. to go look at the billboard so i just <laughs> it's a little bit goofy. like i know that they had a really cool prop and they're like we gotta put this in as many scenes as possible but it comes off as really weird that it's like you can only trick people if they stare at this billboard for a while. We watch a scene of this woman getting a call, getting into a car, driving there, going down the hallway, getting to the billboard. It's like, okay, well. Like, it all leads to this. <laughs> oh. It feels so strange because there's a part in the movie, and it's supposed to be this big climax, where Alec Baldwin realizes that Xiaohan, or whatever his name is, his hideout is in the middle of the city. But everyone in New York has been hypnotized to not even recognize it's there. And it's supposed to be this really big revelation, but we have no reason to suspect people can't do this normally. We've never seen either character be limited in any capacity by their hypnotism capabilities. Yeah, earlier in the movie he walks over to that abandoned lot and he's like, there's something strange going on here. And I'm like, there's a... Probably a building in there. <laughs> <laughs> there was literally a scene at the start of the movie where it's like, there's no temple. It's like, yes, there is. And there was. I don't know why he wouldn't be like, uh, there's something strange going on here. I'm going to go investigate. If they had put somewhere early in the movie that a good hypnotist can maybe control seven people at once, and then it was revealed that he was controlling the entire city, you'd be like, oh my goodness. This guy must have so much power behind him. But they don't tell us anything like that, that they're limited in any way. So we have no reason to suspect. It's like, mm, don't like that building anymore. Mm, that one sold me bad Thai food. No one knows it's there anymore. <laughs> okay, John, your notes are... Do you have anything you want to do before we go to closing? Oh, I have a few more things. Oh. <laughs> Can we talk about Spinny Floor? Spinny Floor! <laughs> worst booby trap of all time. Oh no, guys! There's a guy coming in to attack me. I'm going to make the floor underneath him spin. <laughs> I've got a button on my throne that makes the floor spin. I mean, it kind of fits in with the mirror maze. Yeah. You guys are thinking, like, he did all this as booby traps. It's not a it's skyscraper. A house. Yeah. yeah. It's not a skyscraper. He's Nobody knows the building is there. No one ever comes over. He's got to find ways to have fun so by himself. <laughs> And normally you get other people to, like, spin the merry-go-round for you. He doesn't have any friends. <laughs> he gets the knife to spin it. <laughs> so he has to press the button on his throne to spin the room around a little bit. So what I was going to talk about is, at one point in the movie, a message is sent through a pipe. We watch that message go through a pipe for probably around 40 seconds of just different shots of pipes. It's awful. Yeah, it's kind of how people communicate with the shadow. They write things, put them in the pipes. The pipes go to a person who owes him a life debt, and that person relays the message to the shadow. It's trying to, I guess, show the interconnectedness and 
How he stays on top of things? I kind of like it because it implies, like, this network of pipes is everywhere. It, like, like, there's one scene where there's pipes going this way and that way, and they're, like, on top of each other. Yeah. So part of me is like, how on earth did we get here? But the <laughs> other part is like, imagine all the contractors and health and safety inspectors Half and stuff. New York that, is in his death. <laughs> that are, you know, all wear his rings. It's like, why are you putting a pipe through my kitchen? <laughs> ah, it's it's, it's got to happen. Lady. There is no pipe here. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk about is the special effects are weird because half the time they're really good and then the other half the time they aren't yes where they experiment with computer graphics it's awful it's very bad. like there's like this one scene where he's sitting in a chair next to a fire and then out of the fire comes out this demonic awful cgi face and like laughs at him and it goes back in and he's like <gasps> who is the face Someone's by the way here. was that she wanted i think so why didn't it have facial hair well, because... It's a fire chain. Yeah, the hair burns in fire, <laughs> obviously. It had fire chip. And, I mean, it laughed, so that could be anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I do love to laugh. Uh, was there ever any talk of there being any sequel or prequel movies to this? I'm sure there was intention of sequels there was even a video game it was a brawler game or whatever you call it beat em up beat em up does it exist or was it an idea it exists it was finished but they never got published they never published it because the movie was a financial flop i've seen footage of it so there's emulators out there you can play it but the cost of making the cartridges I guess, was not worth as much as just leaving whatever money it had cost on the floor. So yes, the answer is, obviously they wanted a franchise out of this. By the time this movie had come out, we already had a second Batman that was out. They wanted that money. They wanted a Shadow Returns, Shadow Forever, Shadow and Robin, but they never got it. There was no one paying to see it. But let's go to closing. Chance, what is the rating of this movie? Guys, sorry, first, in the levels uh, for the Shadow video game, there is a carnival. The skyscraper is a fun house. <laughs> I'm not going to give this one a positive number because I don't think its merits hold it above a place where I'm watching this because I want to watch a good movie. I enjoyed it, but that mostly comes from the silly things or good little moments. So I think this is going to be a negative number, but I'm torn between a negative three and a negative four. Wow. I don't know because negative four seems... for you, you were saying if it's a negative movie, it it's saying you're good. enjoying it because it's so bad. I feel like your scale before is like your negative numbers are like, this is laughably good, but I feel like, Based on the things you've said so far... Negative implies laughably bad. Yeah, and the, you've just been saying it's it's actually just not that great of a movie. So I feel like you're leaning more in the one or two area rather than a, I think a negative fair. three or fours. I, like, I did enjoy parts of this movie, and I did like laughing about certain things about it, but I wouldn't call it a necessarily good movie. So I think maybe you're right that a three or two might actually be a better place for it then. A three. Three is a good movie. 
I'll give it a two then. I think that's fair. I don't want to claim this is a good movie, but I did enjoy parts of it, and I did like laughing at certain things about it. Kai, do you need cookie time? I don't think there is a cookie. I think I'm being brainwashed. <laughs> You're done with cookies? No, I think I'm being Hypnotized cookie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hypnotized to believe it's a world. You don't want to lean into it being a shadow of a cookie? <laughs> I think a shadow cookie, cookie with unambiguous un- superpowers? I think this cookie is a smoking sign trying to brainwash me. Smoking cookie. <laughs> Put it in the oven. You just, did you long. just Google smoking cookie? <laughs> no. It's just a burnt cookie? It's just smoking? No, I think it's a cookie with a cigarette in its mouth, obviously. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say about this movie, Kai? No. Okay, cool. Jonathan. What I remember from this movie, from my childhood, is the knife with the teeth and the bomb they had to defuse at the end. Uh, Everything else was kind of like, oh yeah, I I vaguely remember this. So it was, a a large part of it did feel like rewatching a movie that I hadn't remembered or hadn't seen. Yeah, it's not a good movie. I think it's been fun to collectively make fun of, but it's not really an enjoyable experience, so I would never watch this again. I'm gonna give a controversial take. This is also known as a hipster take. Go ahead, Tim. (laughs) I'm gonna give a hipster take. (laughs) Hang on, let me hold my bully nostalgia mug while I do it. Yeah, controversial opinion (laughs) before the school. Wow. This is not a good movie. However, I don't think this is worse than Tim Burton's Batman. I don't think that this is worse than any of the bad 90s superhero movies that came out. None of them have aged well enough to be enjoyable experiences. The only thing that Batman has over this movie is the iconography. When the Batwing flies up in front of the moon and Batman, like, gives a bat signal to everyone below through the moonlight shining on the back of the plane is super cool. But if you take those things out, it's a bad movie. And this is the same. It actually does more creative things and takes more chances than Tim Burton's Batman does. This movie tries some things. There's feisty knives and everybody loves a good laugh. (laughs) I like the shadow's powers. They are super inconsistent, but I do like them. It's really fun. I am not going to watch this movie again. We rented it three times for this stupid (laughs) podcast. (laughs) It's just a movie. Papa, tell us, Um, how much of this movie did you remember? Not very much. I think I just remembered the poster. Seeing it again was very interesting. I do appreciate your comments about putting it in the context of time when it was coming out. Your comment says, well, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of, it's on the same page during that evolution. And we commented earlier, you know, you fast forward it 10, 12 years later, and it's very different. And it has evolved. It has matured. You know, I don't know why I ended up with one of the videos in the house. 
again, I like the way those things evolved. So I'd be drawn more to the Batmans. But again, I didn't actually realize how this was connected to the Liam Neeson movie that you talked about. Yeah. Which I much preferred or the, the later Batman movies, right? It's one of those things where Jurassic Park, Jeff Goldblum's character says that InGen is standing on the shoulders of people's discoveries that came before them and they're just copying what they know they're just leaning into it 90s movie superhero stuff was not good we did batman forever on this podcast and that has a special place in my heart i'm not going to pretend it's good but i still love it i remember going to see batman and robin in theaters I went to see it with some people. Uh, Michael Martin would have been one of them. And I identify that as the first movie that I can remember that I went to see and I knew it was bad. It Mm. was like, oh, this movie is not good. And I remember other people from school had gone to see the movie as well. Sari and Aaron were also in the theater. And I remember seeing them there and being embarrassed (laughs) that they knew that I had watched this bad movie. And that's all The Shadow was, right? Is Tim Burton had found mega fame by making a tacky, not very good movie. And they were like, copy, paste. Let's do that too. But like, I understand what you mean when you're saying there's like an evolution to it. You think about superhero movies now, like we have the Batman, which I consider to be a very good superhero movie. It's more a detective movie, which I liked a lot. But I think that you can only have movies like that by having the gross teenager years in the shadow, you know? In order to get to that maturity, you have to go through that learning process of recognizing what works and why and what doesn't, you know? If we got a Matt Reeves, The Shadow, next year, would people go see that movie? Well, I've talked to you before that one of my dream movies wouldn't be another The Batman. I would love to, however, go see a movie about The Question, who in a lot of ways is very similar to The Shadow. They play very similar roles. They play in the smoke a lot. Mm -hmm. So I would watch a Shadow movie if it was brought up to the same level of maturity that superhero movies are nowadays okay that actually closing comment kai tell us about the shadows trench yeah i've been thinking about it all day it's pretty great but it's very overshadowed by that awful red scarf so there are trench coat standards yeah like at the end it's good you've got to be careful what you pair it with of course of course yeah I appreciate that I turned to you and I said, Kai, before we close, yeah, and you knew that I was going to ask you about the change <laughs> Okay. Well, that is probably all we've got to say about that, hey? Mm-hmm. I do also want to make sure that I let everyone know that our next episode is going to be on Descendants. So, if you've seen or not seen the 2015 movie about Disney heroes and villains' children going to school together, playing lacrosse together... Spoilers! Well, now you know that that's what we're going to tackle next. Praise Beethoven. Praise Beethoven. When the sun's shining, the ice is slippery. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, thank you for the invite, you guys. Ooh. Thanks for joining us, Papa. Yeah, nothing like going back in time. Look out for weirdos.